On this episode of Resi Week, we talk the smart home races. Video surveillance is expected to top $1 billion. Savant has new motorized shades. And Comspec acquires Eris. Oh, and new CD board members. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 145, I Spy. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for avnation.tv. And today, I'm pleased to be joined by Jason Griffin. He is the Partner Development Manager for One Vision Resources and also the co-host of the Home Tech Podcast, which he's only had me on one time after I harassed him for literally years. It worked. It did. How it you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. You thought I wasn't going to bring that back around, but... No, I knew. I was ready for it. <laughs> then we have Cash Ketcha. He is the Marketing Director of Kenex Pro. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, unfortunately, we were supposed to have Mr. Fragosa with us, but he had to call in sick. So we're sending best wishes to him. Let's kick this uh, show right off with a story that comes to us from Seeking Alpha. Uh, the smart home race, who is winning? Uh, when you read through this, this is actually a really interesting read. One, it, it's not a quick and dirty read, but two, it comes from, or, or maybe shaded is the proper term, with a investment strategy kind of kind of back end. Uh, if you don't know Seeking Alpha, that's really what they do. They deal with the analytics and the investment side of things. But they dig into um, who's leading the smart home race. And in their terms, that's essentially Google and Amazon are the two going after it. And as most financial assessment firms do, they spend a lot of time talking about smart speakers and things such as that, specifically noting that Amazon has uh, essentially 62% of that US smart speaker market with Google trailing at 27%. But as we you know, talked about uh, a couple of months ago on the show, uh, that Am or sorry, Google finally outsold Amazon uh, in a uh, device count uh, for the first time in uh, quarter earlier this year. Jason, yep. I want to start with you on this. When you read this report, and again, knowing where it's coming from, uh, it, it's not your traditional uh, you know, smart home gadget blog. Um, what really stuck out to you in their uh, you know, analytics on who's winning this smart home race? Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing that jumped out at me was actually what wasn't there, which was a sing even a single mention of Apple in the in the article. It was very focused on Google versus Amazon, and I understand the the angle from which they're they're coming at the story is largely around, like you alluded to, Matt, smart speakers, and of course Apple does have their HomePod, but they're still sort of feels like they're trying to figure out what exactly they're they're trying to do with that device, and 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 so. In terms of trying to compare it to Amazon Echo or Google Home, uh, they're probably not even close in terms of, of device sales. But you know, the HomeKit architecture and the HomeKit API 
that whole framework I'm personally a very big fan of, and it's been more of a slow burn for them to really get, get traction with that. But I'm, I'm still a big fan of the vision. So I would have liked to see some mention of Apple, at least in that story to put it in context. But as it relates to Google versus Amazon, you know, I, I think that their, their overall conclusion was right. They are really more bullish on uh, Google's prospects to, to win that battle. And, and I agree. I think if you look at the user experience, even today, between Google Home and, and an Echo, it's, it's a much more pleasant experience to use a Google Home. And you combine their, uh, their ability to tap into all of the knowledge and data that they already have about their users and about people in general. And I think Google's really gonna be one to beat there. So yeah, in, in terms of a direct comparison between, um, between Amazon and, uh, and Google, I think it was a, it was a good read and it's, it's worth taking a look at, but I felt like it didn't quite capture the, the broader landscape. And there are some other interesting technologies out there that I would have liked to see mentioned and even control Four, right? As a publicly traded company, how do they factor into that in terms of a, a professional installation? So I felt like there were some things missing, although to the author's credit, I think the crux of the story really was around smart speaker penetration and clearly Google and, and Amazon are, are the two uh, out in front there. Yeah. I, I think to, to just expound on that for a minute, the, the only time that they mentioned Apple was in that chart and talking about uh, market penetration. And what surprises me is they're, they're attributing Apple to having 4.1%, and Sonos only at 3.8. Interesting. Going through my list of clients, uh, that would not be accurate at all. Um, Cash, I want to come to you on this. Um, when you start looking at this and, and, and reading through the story, you know they, they spend a lot of time obviously talking smart speakers, talking about some of the uh, acquisitions that the two companies have made, uh, namely Ring and uh, Nest. When you look at the the infrastructure of the smart home and and what these two companies are trying to do are their portfolios fairly consistent it's a good question uh it depends you know because they're missing a couple of things there um i don't think their their portfolio are consistent yet because by just acquiring this and you know ring yes you are going after the massive smart home market but what about apps? What about software? What about the grid that we're talking about that will guide the homes? These are all just hardware, but you know, we're, we're talking about software. There's a need out there for that. And you want to make sure that you're getting the top-notch software embedded with all these things, which is basically in your smart home. Now, if you're going with something less expensive, that means you have that back door open to someone looking at all your codes and your software as well. Have you ever thought of that too? So, you know, I think all these things, as, as, as these devices are invading our house or penetrating, we want to make sure that all these things are also being taken care of. You know, mm -hmm. I really don't want someone else to be looking at my house when I'm not there, you know, or, you know, you know with, with Ring, of course, the camera option is really good. Yeah, of course, you can see the FedEx guys and UPS and the Amazon dropping off their parcels. But who else has access to that besides me? I really want to know, you know. And I, I don't think this is totally complete yet. And um, there are other accessories that may be needed with that is, let's say, like a, like a hardware control on and off. If, if I really don't want to, you know, use an app or anything else, I should have something else to do that, you know, and especially even with the thermostat too, same thing. 
you know, maybe it's just not just a twist on connector or the tab, but something else just to turn off everything in case of fire or just too much low temperature. Um, these things are needed these days. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think uh, there are other other gears that may maybe need is maybe surveillance cameras too. Who knows? You know, that's something like that, we have, which we haven't touched. But that is also a very huge market that uh, we're, we're looking into it, right? Speaking of uh, cameras and, and surveillance, that leads us directly, which was fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> directly into our next story from CE Pro. The consumer video surveillance market is expected to top $1 billion by the end of 2018, uh, according to IHS. Uh, the sales from standalone video surveillance cameras will reach uh, or, or reached um, $996 million globally in 2007 and are expected to grow past a billion uh, by the end of 2018, specifically $1.1 billion. And uh, this is primarily uh, based in the U.S., which is really A, surprising and B, um, it's a huge market. It's a huge so, market. Yep. It's a gigantic market. So, Cash, I want to come back to you on this. Um, what is what is saturation for, you know, consumer video surveillance look like? Is it one point one billion? Is it is it significantly higher? Where do where can this market go? It may go higher. I think you know. Let me tell you why. Because of the demographics and the geography of the location. If you are in a very well, let's just look at two things. First, new construction. Mm -hmm. Okay, new construction of homes may require because pretty much everything is Ethernet pre-wired. Uh, you want to have security surveillance cameras already loaded up there, so at least you know what's going on. But for other areas which are old homes or maybe in areas and demographic where there's a lot of theft, a lot of crimes, a lot of things like going on, there is a high demand now for these kind of you know uh, cameras being installed now. I'm just talking about smart homes. Think about places like commercial applications where there are warehouses, right? Um, for instance, California and Denver. Now we're no, we're we're pot growers, man. You know, we're we're growing pot. Have you if you heard about it in warehouses to homes to everywhere? And you know, even if they raid you, they find homes with hydrophones inside, and everybody's trying to you know grow this kind of stuff. Well, well, guess what? Security is of utmost importance. It doesn't matter if it's a cop entering inside the house to invade you or if it's, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, somebody else trying to jack, right? So I think even indirectly, this is going to be a massive market, okay? From wireless to wired, it doesn't matter. Um, as long as you keep building new houses and there's going to be new construction, yes, there's going to be a market for cameras and for existing as well because now, Everybody are concerned about their privacy. They want to protect, you know, and all these theft and everything going around. Absolutely, there's a need for that. Very good. Jason, yeah. you and I have talked about, obviously, smart home for, for quite a while now. This really blends that market, right, between, you know, things like Arlo and Nest and, and um, Blink and everything else that you hear about that's specifically consumer-driven. And then all the higher-end residential and uh, like commercial products that are going into the residential home. Where does, where or how does an HTP really figure out where to go with this when they're, when they're starting to offer this, mm -hmm. especially when you add 4k into it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it, it, it's an interesting question. It's one that's actually very relevant to me as I've been doing some shopping of my own to get uh, recently to get some cameras put in here at my, at my house. And uh, even as somebody who's very, very into the new quote unquote breed of, of cameras, you know, battery powered, really easy to install, uh, quick to set up. Uh, you know, I love that technology, but I found that I'm just not there yet in terms of, I think those sorts of cameras are great for indoor nanny cams, simple things to keep an eye on the home when you're maybe gone for a few days, but for something outside of my house where I'm really trying to protect my property and my family and keep an eye on, on what's going on. Personally, I'm still not there with the Wi-Fi and the battery powered options out there. I am willing to spend more. I'm willing to do the wiring to get some proper PoE cameras put up, 4K, you know, good quality night vision, all of that. And so I think to bring that back around to your question, Matt, about, you know, if you're a home technology professional and you're looking at the story and trying to figure out what does it really mean, look, I think that for as much progress as we've seen with these more consumer-focused Wi-Fi type of cameras, I think there are still very large swaths of the population who wants something hardwired, who wants something tried and true when it comes to securing either their place of business or, or of course, their personal residence. So uh, I think it's great to have both options and be able to help your clients navigate all of that. But I, I definitely am still very bullish on the, the more traditional surveillance solutions because I think ultimately that reliability of having you know a poe camera up versus something that's battery powered and relies on wi-fi range outside of the house to me i get much much more peace of mind out of the more traditional approach there so i think they're they're both viable but i think as an htp i'm, I'm still sticking to my guns and, and positioning the value of of a traditional hardwired solution with also i should add local video storage and not relying on the cloud in order to, to, uh, to capture what's going on in your house. And then there's privacy concerns as well. So, um, you know, I think, I think that, that there's a definite uh, divide there in terms of the value proposition. And, and I think there are plenty of people out there for the foreseeable future who are going to want more traditional solutions. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's go to our next story of the day. Uh, Savant has updated and uh, introduced some new motorized window shade solutions. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today. Uh, if you haven't been following Savant the last, I don't know, maybe year, year and a bit, they have really been uh, offering a lot of new products and, and really nice high-end products. And that comes as no surprise that they're also updating their shading line. Uh, they've got some new specialty brackets, a modular low voltage power solution, as well as some hidden uh, pocket mounting uh, reveals that are new and have some uh, both a four and a six inch kit, which is really cool, as well as a bunch of custom options. Um, Jason, I wanna come back to you on this. Um, we didn't touch on it here, but uh, about two weeks ago, they also released a new pro LED uh, strip kit. For, for LED lighting uh, throughout, throughout the home. Savon has been making a lot of moves the last little bit. Um, at Cedia, they announced uh, PoE speakers. Savant's had its share of challenges, we'll say, uh, the last little bit. What do you attribute to their revamped drive to push not only new products, but really nice premium products? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I had to attribute it to one thing, it, it would be Bob Madonna. Uh, I know that I was still an integrator, as I've, you alluded to earlier. I've moved into the the professional services side of the industry now with One Vision. But prior to that, I was a longtime integrator, longtime Savant dealer, used to program Savant, very familiar with their their background and their and their track record and, and history through the through the channel. And they've had some some bright shining moments there, and they've also had some reverses and things that didn't really go their way. And 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 everyone kind of knows that history if you've been around the channel for a while. But I think I, I was still an integrator when when Bob Madonna came back, and I was at uh, one of their I think it was called like their road show or something here in in Denver, and. Bob got up and, and spoke to the audience and there was a, a tremendous amount of passion and drive there. And, and, uh, personally, I'm a big believer in, in the importance of, of visionary leadership and having somebody at the top who really has a vision they're dedicated to it. And they're going to inject that energy into the company to keep that company moving in the right direction. And maybe they're going to make some mistakes along the way. Maybe they're not, but you know, they're going to, they're going to move forward. And that's, I think what we're seeing from Savant is really the, uh, the injection of energy that's come from getting Bob Madonna back and, and they're still, they're still one to watch in the, uh, in the residential space. Obviously Crestron is, is still there very much relevant, but we all know pulled out of Cedia and that left a lot of people wondering how committed they are to Resi. I personally still think they're very committed, but ultimately there is no question at all between control four and Savant. They're both, both very committed to the professional channel, to the smart home. And, uh, and so I think it's, it's great to watch and, and I love what they're doing with, with the shades. I think they're a great looking product. The Jay Geiger brackets that they use have been around for a little while and they're, they're super slick. So, uh, like you alluded to Matt, they're doing a whole bunch of different things and I think it's great for the consumer. It's great for Savant dealers and, and hopefully, uh, proving great for the company as well. Very good. Cash, uh, when, when you start looking at this, this is one of those things where I don't want to say shades have been pushed down. Uh, residential integrators, home theater professionals, um, push down their throats, but but they've kind of been that whole. You need to sell shades. Shades are amazing. What do, what did integrators do when they start looking at adding a new product category like shades, for example? How do they how do they have to you know make that transition or or, or look at adding that? It uh, it drills down to the qualification of uh, you know the the requirement from the customer mainly I think you know depending on <clears throat> if they want motorized <clears throat> or they just want the traditional side of the you know the shades or maybe they're looking for something advanced that does you know bottom roll up or you know um, the different kinds but yes I think it it depends I focus or mainly on on the customer or what they're trying to do and then integrators obviously are looking at just different kind of kits and promos. And from there, I think they would rely on, um, on uh, depending if they want something with this modularized or, you know, um, what's out there. Usually from our side, I mean, we don't deal with integrators who are together more in the resi, more for commercial that we, we work with. But as far as I know, I think it may be just be very intuitive to deliver some sort of like a premium product line to a customer mm-hmm. which they're looking for. And I think Savant would uh, definitely fit in that category because I think they're doing a wonderful job with all this. Even though I know I know them more from the UI standpoint and from the control side, right. you know that they've done that they've done a great job with uh, their design. You know, especially when it comes to the the, the six inch and the, you know the eight inch um, 
panels, the, mm-hmm. the touch panels. So, Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to most likely our last story of the day. This comes to us from a CEO, or sorry, <laughs> CE Pro, <laughs> not CEO. Uh, Ruckus's parent company, Eris, has been acquired by Comscope for $7.4 billion. Uh, this is a big Fairly big deal. Uh, Comscope, who is a telecommunications equipment manufacturer, they've announced that they're buying Ruckus uh, and specifically their parent company, Eris, uh, for around thirty-two bucks a share. Um, this is this is a, a fairly big deal for a couple of reasons. Um, Cash, when you start looking at this, mm-hmm. this is one of those things where Comscope all of a sudden is going to get a lot of uh, value in both IOT and 5G. How important is it uh, for companies like Comscope to be going after these, you know, really emerging technologies? Well, first off, I think um, there is a market out there for smart home, as we all know, right? Mm -hmm. And Ruckus has been doing a great job in terms of getting a very strong, reliable Wi-Fi router and extenders out there. They're probably the number one right there in the market when it comes to, you know, uh, connectivity in terms of wireless, right? Mm -hmm. So a comprehensive connected solution would be number one. That's great to go after. So that's basically what Comscope was looking for. The other thing I think is having a one-stop shop for an integrated broadband access. That would be great. That would help Comscope grow because now they have acquired this. So they have the new technology, let's say 5G, right? Or Internet of Things coming up, it will be totally blended into this thing. It will work without a doubt. And of course, their assortment now of having either a complementary wired or a wireless solution. Doesn't matter what they want to go with. Now they have both to play with it. And they can be addressable to the market with their huge, I don't know, $60 billion portfolio (laughs) that they're going after. So they'll be able to use that towards immediate, you know, substantial cash or, or going after, you know, um, all these markets trying to personalize this innovation that they have bought to various customers. And I think this is a great idea of um, having a wide wireless spectrum offering this kind of broadband products now, you know, so Comscope can pretty much just not only worry about security and alarm and everything, but also wireless, right, as one of their babies now on board mm-hmm. very good jason when when you when you follow this and i i would argue that we almost don't get a show in these days where we're not talking some form of acquisition comscope people you know may or may not know who they are may or may not know what it is that they do uh, uh they may think that they're just you know a cable manufacturer but they are an absolutely massive company what does it mean for our industry when we start seeing some of these big players who maybe don't really play in our market going heavily after companies that do play pretty heavily into our market? Should we expect to see any changes? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. And it's one of the things that I thought about when I read that story and, and all of these uh, mergers and acquisitions that are happening is it's so difficult nowadays to keep track of who owns what and when one company gets bought, what are the other, you know, three, four, five other companies that are affected by that fall under that umbrella. Uh, it's, it's enough to make your head spin. And, and I'm, I'm more interested in the industry from the tech and the user experience side than I am from necessarily the M and a 
side of, of the business. But I do think it's interesting. I, you know, I, as I was reading the story and preparing for the show, the, the thought that kept coming back to me is uh, this is to me very much more of a, of a play by the company to get into like the IOT and 5G space. The story also cited a technology called Citizens Broadband Radio Spectrum, CBRS, which is an interesting technology that's sort of flown under the radar. It's, a, it's an LTE enhancement where the FCC recently opened up a, a big spectrum of, of radio that was being underutilized by the military. It's 3.5 gigahertz technology that, that they're doing some really interesting things with. So without diving too deep into the detail there, CBRS is another growth area that companies are interested, as well as 5G. And I think 5G really comes into play on a, on a bit of a larger scale, I think, than, than in you know, a given person's home, meaning applications that require extremely low latency. So you think about autonomous vehicles and things like that. That's where really 5G starts to get interesting, smart cities, uh, IoT again. So I think that the acquisition of, of Aris was more focused on that. And, and frankly, I think their uh, ruckus's footprint in the residential market is a little bit tangential to this story. Ruckus is doing some really interesting things. And Matt, I'd be happy to send you the link. There's a cool little three-minute video that Ruckus did on the CBRS technology. And it seems like they're pretty invested in, in making hardware to enable that technology. And so things like that, I think, is really where the meat is in terms of this acquisition. And I think Ruckus's involvement in, in the smart home and particularly like the high-end smart homes that a lot of your listeners do is, uh, again, a little bit tangential to the story. Certainly relevant in the sense that anytime a company you do business with is acquired, you kind of start, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's and making sure that nothing is going to come downstream that's going to affect you. But I doubt this is going to have a huge effect on on the day-to-day operations of, of ruckus dealers in the smart home. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming. Before we go, uh, we just want to give a special mention to the newly elected directors of Cedia that was announced earlier this week, uh, Peter Aletta, uh, Michael Corbin, or sorry, Cogbill, uh, Albert Mizav, and I'm probably screwing up his name, and of course, Joe Whitaker. Uh, is coming back again. So congratulations to them. That's a fairly newsworthy thing. Uh, again, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Jason, if people want to get a hold of you, learn more about One Vision, or sorry, learn more about One Vision uh, sure. or your home tech podcast, where can they do that? Yeah, so onevisionresources.com is the company website, and we work with integrators to really help them optimize their service strategies. Um, so definitely go check that out if you're if you're an integrator and you're sort of struggling to figure out how to make service a great part of your business. You can go check that out. Uh, if you're interested in in checking out the Home Tech Podcast, we'd love to have you. Just search for Home Tech Podcast wherever you download your podcasts, and we should come right up. Or Home Tech is the website. So I appreciate you having me on, Matt. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Cash, thanks for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Connects Pro, where can they do that? Definitely connectspro.com, which is our homepage. And uh, if they're looking for anything that has to do with signal processing or signal management when it comes to AV distribution, we are right here uh, based in California. And we you know, serve basically international everywhere. So we should be able to help you out, especially for system integrators and uh, designers or even consultants looking to do any kind of signal management products. Um, I would like to help them out, and uh, we have a team here 
in Brea, California that can help us, you, uh, you know, help you guys uh, get what you need. And other than that, they can also email directly at sales at connectsfro.com. Um, we can take care of you guys from there. If you have any system design projects too, you can send us for free and we can help you consolidate that with what we have. Other than that, uh, thanks for having me, Matt, and uh, happy holidays to all you guys. Hey, thank you so much for being here. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Resi Week.